Everybody gets paid tens of dollars. <laughs> Maybe. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB. ATB. B-B. How are you, Fonda? I'm doing okay. How are you, Paul? Good. It is the precipice of the fringe. The precipice. Very, very foreboding. That's how I, you know, when when I worked at the Alt Weeklies and it was, you know, this was always the busiest time of year. It was not the fringe itself, but the lead up, like the, the month out where it was trying to organize everything for a massive festival. Um, bigger than ever, uh, 258 shows. I saw that and was like, I'm glad I'm no longer the editor of a publication that has to try and cover everything. Yeah, try and organize all of your writers and coverage and everything. But you are you are involved in shows. This you are you are in a show. That is, and you are involved in others. That is correct. I'm involved with several shows. All right, you are in several shows. Never mind. You yeah. with the rapid fire. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, we can talk about this later. Um, right. So we will get to our fringe preview um, in a little bit. But mm-hmm. what? Well, what did we see? tonight um, we went and saw uh, mercury opera's carmen um so a production of the the uh long-standing opera that feels like underselling it but one of the one of the sort of anchoring operas in the opera world um which was sort of um and is as is mercury operas want in the last few years has, was staged sort of in a site specific way um so we actually had two venues tonight fonda do you want to talk about which ones we went to yes yes absolutely um so the the production for this version of Carmen, um, they took inspiration from the sort of uh, clash at the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. The original Carmen is written um, uh, with the intention to highlight the clash between um, the Roma the uh, and um, European populations. Mm-hmm. So in this production, we had um, there's essentially Carmen's side, the Mexican cast, and then there's like the white side, the the ice, the ice yeah, cast, <laughs> um, who are frankly dressed quite like looking like ice agents, which was hilarious for a little bit. They did on Jasper Ave right outside the Commodore window, um, smacking each other around and stuff. In any case, um, so we started at the Commodore Diner, the historic, um, very long-standing Greasy Spoon. Amazing place. Go, I will hype the hell out of the Commodore. Uh, it's cash only, but uh, ooh, what a lovely place. Yeah, cash only, $1 soup. It is super cool. Um, but yeah, this great diner setting. Um, to set up everything. Um, For the purposes of this production, they called uh, the Commodore Casa Pedro. Um, And in the original production of Carmen, they started in this sort of cigarette factory. So they're all, you know, working class, working together. Um, There's a visitation by Michaela, this sort of um, very, very virginal floral young woman um the soprano role (laughs) she's always wearing a floral dress you know i will note that we saw carmen by mercury opera last summer Mm -hmm. in the badlands of of drum heller i still had the venue had uh corn that i think about still sometimes eating they still had like the great street corn there um yeah in 
any case, um, I really enjoyed the way that this production was staged, though. Um, being very, very close. Like, if you've ever been in the Commodore, you know that having more than maybe 20 people in there seems like a lot. <laughs> they fit probably 60 people in yeah. there tonight. And it was fantastic. The um, the audience was so close and so integrated with the cast that, you know, they felt like they were really part of it. You could tell that they felt like they were also being watched whenever the cast was like right beside them, too. <laughs> I, I felt that I was certainly like, oh, I can't look, can't look bored. Can't look, can't look <laughs> silly. What's my face doing right now? Um, And there's something I think um about seeing opera that close. That's that's. um gives it a very uh, vibrant feeling that um, sometimes you you don't get when you see opera in its traditional venues of, of massive halls. Um, here, um, to hear a voice, those voices sort of working so close to you from five or 10 or 20 feet away max, aka the sweet seats at you know a, a traditional venue um, and, and even closer, uh, it, it gives it those voices a sort of um, physical grounding that it's uh, you don't get uh, maybe in, in those bigger spaces. And there's something uh, nice about experiencing it in that way because you don't get the chance often in that world. So good on you, Mercury Opera, for making that uh, a thing. Yeah, I I think that so what, what, what was great was the the move also from the Commodore. So there's the, the entire sort of exposition, the setup of all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the big famous songs happen really early right. on. And it's um, this, this love triangle dynamic of we have um, we have our ice officer. <laughs> um, uh, Don Jose. Don Jose <laughs> and his um, his floral um, love, but also Carmen, um, yeah. this this passionate love that he, he also can with and let's escape from his um from the handcuffs that he was supposed to uh, safeguard and then uh then yes we move on to uh, a beloved edmonton institution um by some uh a long-standing edmonton institution chez pierre yeah and what was great about this was that they taught they 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 had volunteers from mercury opera escorting you all the way down the street a kind of like about a half block or whatever down the alley into the back door of Chez Pierre mm-hmm. which is super special <laughs> uh, I'd never been in Chez Pierre before at all? at all um, good lord <laughs> it, look I didn't grow up here um, uh, but uh, it had all of the Scarface posters I could have hoped and more <laughs> and for clarification they weren't part of the production I think those Scarface posters are always there <laughs> no, they, I'm sure it's a stipulation that they can't be taken down <laughs> yeah uh, so we get to Chez Pierre though and then you sort of and then you get to meet Carmen's other side Carmen's other lover too um, Escamillo and instead of the Toreador that he's supposed to be he plays like a rodeo king which i thought was a great sort of crossover um crossover role mm-hmm. type thing yeah absolutely and and so we see the the tension in that because um don um don jose jose yes uh or jose because it's actually sung in french right for something that should be all in spanish it's actually in french um don jose uh you know has has left his his life of ice behind and joins up with um with carmen and her her band of friends and and her fellowship mm-hmm. and um and things happen things you know they start to um rebel in their ways you know they're start, they're working against uh, what he had formerly been working for mm-hmm. um, but yeah but then carmen also has this other sort of old flame in the picture and tensions brew in that <laughs> opera way yeah and fitting with the sort of um 
I guess, uh, U.S.-Mexico border theme. There are, you know, there there seems like there's a drug cartel involved. There are machine guns. There's um, action and um, some silliness with shower caps. Uh, I, I always find it funny when a woman puts on a shower cap with long hair and the long hair is still hanging down. But this is just a side note. We don't need to go into right. that. Okay, great. Um, great. Uh, yes, so they were they were making drugs at one point. Yes, it seemed like that. Yeah. There was a campfire stove or yeah. like a camp stove. Right. Um, in any case, um, what did you think of some of the performances in this? We I'll, I'll note that we did see it on an evening where um, the alternate cast uh, was was were playing the main roles. Um, but, what were your some of your thoughts about uh, the performances you saw today? Um, well, one thing um, to jump back to the idea of uh, seeing opera so close, I think um, there's something in seeing these performances which um, in their normal normal placements uh, have to be so big. Um, it was nice to see like what felt like a more lively sort of playful uh, dynamic across the board. But yeah, I thought um, I thought the supporting cast was was very strong. They had um, not just in in vocally, uh, which is sort of the general um, test of, of opera, but um, but in terms of um, giving that lively dynamic to make to animate those spaces, which are not traditional theater spaces and don't have um, all of the the fixings. Shapiers had some lights and, and and that sort of thing, but the Commodore especially was just the light that comes through the window and the normal normal lights. So yeah, thought, and just that super diner feel, like yeah. that was all. Yeah, and they were diner staff and uh, ice agents. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> was was the the placement there, yeah. and so um, yeah, so just uh, I thought um, in particular the the support cast um, really uh, kept that liveliness uh, going and kept that dynamic going. Yeah, I feel like after seeing Carmen last year, um, and because Colleen couldn't review it with us then either, I had to do a lot of research on Carmen mm -hmm. and figure out, like, what is the deal with this opera? Uh -huh. um, and what I learned is that I really like and appreciate the roles of Carmen's friends. Um, these are Frasquita and Mercedes. Um, and Mercedes, um, in, in the performance that we saw, was played by Alia Ahmad. Um, and man, she was fantastic. I really liked, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, I appreciated in Shapiers uh, having the live band. We were sitting very close to the live band of, yes. you know, a clarinet, a bassoon, a French horn, a tuba, a keyboard, and a flute. Yeah, and in um, uh, at at uh, the Commodore, they they had just the keyboard. Yes, um, but it was still live music. That is another thing that I really like about Mercury Opera is that they don't ever use canned music. It is still live music because they're responding to a live venue and live circumstances that usually would happen. Um, well, so Paul, what did you? I don't know. Compared to let's say what we saw in the Badlands, sure. How what did you think of this production? Um, the production in the Badlands was more air specific like it felt like it was trying to match this um this uh this desert opulence of um drumheller uh of this beautiful space um but sort of found itself plagued by a couple difficulties of like technical stuff where like wind would make they, everyone had to be mic'd because of the nature of the space but also then the wind would um cause a lot of sort of technical disruption in in that um uh, projection and development. So again, in sort of a connection to this, uh, felt felt nice. I felt like um, 
the moments that were strongest felt the most natural. So the Commodore, um, that placement felt very natural, and and the dynamic there felt very natural. Some of the the later moments in like with the drug cartel <laughs> felt a little like ah we're we're placing a drama on this, or or uh, the stylization maybe didn't um, land the same way for me um, as effectively because it felt like ah now we're seeing dramatic conventions where. Um, or like bigger, bigger set piece sort of choices where previously we were um, in a, in a, we we're animating a space in a new way. Um, and that just felt, and it was more about the playfulness and the dynamic of that rather than the set pieces, which I felt um, when we were, when we were living in that space, it felt stronger for me. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool when everyone came in for the second act and all took tequila shots right beside us. That mm-hmm. was, that was kind of fun because we were sitting right behind the bar. Right, yeah, and you know there was some uh, some secondary characters dancing on a bar. Um, uh, that great like coyote ugly style, like very just yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was great. Um, yeah, and those felt um, those felt more direct. And you know some of the duets were really lovely. The duets between Don Jose and um, Michaela um, early on. Um, uh, Elise Snoys. Uh, was a very strong singer, very, very strong performer. Um, mm-hmm. And so the dynamics in sort of those those big sort of uh, set piece um, uh, moments, uh, those big dramatic like, ah, oh, here's the duo of like, this is this love versus this is this love. Uh, those dynamics really shone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll dip my toe in the like opera, opera expert water and be like, I think that people who really love this opera probably really dig the duets with Don Jose and Michaela. And Don Jose and Carmen. Don Jose has some like really beautiful songs in this um, as the tenor role. And I think that Carmen has a little bit of extra um, or different sort of weight to pull because as a mezzo soprano, the she doesn't get these like extremely impressive high notes. Mm-hmm. It's mostly about her dramatic performance. Mm-hmm. Not to say that mezzo singing is not impressive. It absolutely is um but it is uh it's it's just a different sort of um expectation on uh on on the performer and opera singing itself is so physical that i often find just kind of like how much acting do you really expect them to do with that with that sort of thing it's kind of like i was mentioning um as we were um uh, on on the way on the way back to record this is like it's sort of like expecting a figure skater to be like a great actor as well <laughs> and when they are it's it's doubly great mm-hmm. but yeah i i totally get mm-hmm. that point but they're sort of like physically really taxed and busy yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what i mean by yeah the body is doing incredible incredible lifting to make those vocals what they are yeah anyhow well so that was carmen by mercury opera um would definitely encourage you to go see it the 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 venue you jaunt alone is is a, a real treat in, tr- throughout um, sort of historic downtown Edmonton. Um, yeah. So, well, now with that, um, I think, Paul, it's time that we go to our first ad. Hit it. Featured this month on the Well Endowed podcast is a new installment of It Takes a Community, a special series produced by Hunter and Jacqueline Cardinal of Nahayawin. In the series, Hunter sits down to chat with prominent Edmontonians to talk about the communities and people that have helped shape their journeys. In the most recent episode, Linda Duncan, the longtime member of Parliament for Edmonton Strathcona, talks about growing up in ravines, her call to environmental law, and how important it is to reach out and engage with your political representatives, whoever they may be. To listen and find out more, visit thewellendowedpodcast.com. Well, Fonda, 
It's fringe time, as previously mentioned. Isn't it just? Ticket sales went uh, live on Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, and, and well, things have happened. Things have progressed since then. <laughs> Paul... What are you looking forward to at this year's Fringe? I know you're in shows, right, which you can, of course, plug because this is like, you know, we shamelessly plug things all the time. At least I do. No, you have to find me, listeners. <laughs> I won't um, plug my own shows. But um, things uh, I was at the Toronto Fringe. Some things I saw that I really like there. Um, there was a show called Destiny USA. Um, which is coming, uh, which is a touring uh, one-woman show uh, about, uh, based on the true story of this performer who moved to America a couple years ago and got a job as a relay operator. So someone who makes the deaf and hard of hearing or who helps the deaf and hard of hearing make phone calls. Uh, and it was a fascinating look at people who are often uh, waylaid or forgotten by uh, broader society or left in left to the sidelines. Um, and it was a way of sort of telling some of those stories. So it's it's a one-woman show, but it also features a video work of three deaf actors. Um, very cool. Um, I'm very excited for Are You Loving It? Uh, which is a show coming here from Japan that seems to be a surreal satire on fast food culture. Because that's exactly how the Japanese would translate loving it or or whatever the I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah. Are you loving it? And so this is a troupe from Osaka um called Theater Gumbo. Um I'm very excited about this this one too. This was one of the first tickets that I I put on my like reviewer schedule. <laughs> right. Yes, because you're reviewing Fonda. Do you want to talk a little bit about the the context in which you're reviewing the French? Yes. Well, I'm going to be doing the same thing that I did last year, which are sort of flash reviews that I'll put up on our social media for the I don't get it podcast but i'm also participating in this thing called beer tent reviews which is um a handful of former c and view writers from our story adult weeklies now dead both of them dead um <laughs> uh team includes paul matwichuk mel Priestley, michael hingston trent wilkie andrew paul um Fonda Mithrush. <laughs> and um and yeah, and we so we've sort of like banded some of the old um the old crew together and we are going to do our regular um you know weekend fringe marathon. They will put out a print edition mm-hmm. of reviews. Um what in the about- Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thing. In the, in, the, in the beer tents uh, on the first Monday, much like uh, C and in later years, View did. Um, trying to review. Of course, we can't do all 258 shows, but we're going to try and do as many as we can. Great. Uh, will you be using a star rating, Fonda? Nope. Not at all. Cool. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is like reviewer's dream time. <laughs> what if I wanted to read it online? You can't. Although, um, if you know of, say, me or Mel Priestley or Paul Mawichuk and how to find us online, like, say, me, you can find me at I Don't Get It. Most of my reviews will be posted on social media things that in that way. Um, and I believe that um, the other reviewers, as they have online outlets, will be posting throughout theirs as well. So you won't find comprehensive things, but you may also find um, out some other reviewers' voices that you do like um, and that you want to follow. Um, and and in, in that way, go to. Enjoy. <laughs> Why, Fonda? Why would you do this? Why would you... Um... Uh, what, uh, what is this looking to fill? 
Well, I think that this is the first year that there is a real lack of actual physical copies of reviews existing on the grounds. Um, There were agreements in past years where those see and view issues that were guaranteed to review every single show were on the grounds every year. And so this is a this is sort of a a gesture at an attempt um, by some of our stalwart and and very passionate arts writers in the community to try and do that. Um, Because even in the last uh, while, View was online only. It was edmontonfringe.ca, and they would review everything, but it was online. Um, And so to have a physical copy, something to circulate at the beer tents, Mm -hmm. hence the name, um, seems to be speaking to, right, talking to the people who are on the grounds looking for shows to see. Yeah. I mean, the the, the journal is looking at reviewing 100 plus shows. Liz Nichols grabs her own team. They review things long form, so they can only do so much. Um, But, you know, I think they're going to go after the shows that they really also like and want to see. And I think that, uh, yeah. The more voices out there and the more voices I think that you maybe like not only like are edited and vetted, <laughs> that's a good thing, um, but also that, uh, yeah, that are just really passionate about the scene and passionate about seeing a lot of theater, um, which I think I can vouch for the writers who are um, involved in this new project. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's what we are. So so. Yay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Great. Anything uh, you're looking forward to trying to see, Fonda, in, aside from uh, Are You Loving It? Uh, anything that's on your schedule? Well, you know me. I'm always like into seeing uh, a lot of the physical theater and or dance performances. Um, there's a show called Play Things um, coming in from Vancouver. Uh, the folks who did Hotel Vortruba last year are doing a show, which I loved last year. Um, they're doing a show called Can of Worms, uh, which I'm definitely stoked to see. I've heard some mixed things about Ink, and I'm very curious about it, so I'm going to go see that. There's an Ionesco show called the bald soprano i'm gonna go see that um directed- is flipping through the program i'm totally flipping through the program um because it is a long program like i mean they're this is this is a it's a big festival paul <laughs> it is i mean it's the second biggest in the world it's the biggest on the continent and it is um 257 shows this year which is um about 30 more than usual. Um, you know, it was sort of averaging around 230, sometimes closer to 215, somewhere around there for the last few years. But this is a big jump. Yeah. Earlier we said 258. And now, just if, just as we've realized, it is 257. Yeah. But before we talk about that, um, how about we go to our next ad? This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space located in the historic McKinney Building in downtown Edmonton and is focused on helping people pursue their passions. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Along with desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio, meeting spaces, kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. So before we had that ad break, we were talking about these the um, the the two hundred and fifty seven shows 
in the fringe um which were shortly until earlier today um 258 shows and uh we're just gonna kind of cover uh i guess a little bit of what happened to that one show right so um that show was a show written by uh david belke who in 2017 uh was a uh convicted uh, uh pleaded guilty to uh, possession of child pornography and and um sentenced to six months in jail uh previously before that at edmonton playwright uh, had had been involved in the fringe in many years mm-hmm. um so and and actually at the very venue that he was supposed to be programmed at this year at holy trinity anglican church right so after ticket sales went it went live uh, with uh, on the Fringe website, this became a lot more public knowledge than I think it had been in the last previous weeks because there were people who did know that this show would be happening before. Right. Um, according to an Edmonton Journal article, um, the Fringe itself found out about eight weeks ago that David Belke um, and this venue were were producing a play. And uh, they started to sort of try and put uh, uh, safeguards in place um, uh, around this space. And, and they made a deal with this this venue, um, which was posted in an Edmonton Journal article and agreed parts of that. Um, this is yeah, a venue. That- and, and we can also throw to this uh, on our show notes as well. Great. Um, yeah. So this is a, the venue itself also hosts uh, theater for young audiences, uh, shows. And so there were agreements made about... Um, the shows, uh, those shows, those TYA shows, ending by 2 p.m. every day. Uh, David Belke not being um, on site before 3 p.m. that day, um, and sort of agreeing uh, voluntarily that um, he would never sort of be in a non-public space at this venue uh, without supervision. Um, but uh, but yeah, but none of that was. Uh, came out earlier um it was before before that it was it was just that he was doing a play right so later t- today we're actually speaking later at night on friday evening um on august 9th the the the, the show has been canceled was canceled earlier on this evening um and just actually as we got home from the mercury opera show noticed that this uh this agreement has actually been shared between holy trinity and the fringe theater adventures it has been shared with edmonton journal um so in in it does look like the holy trinity church was very much um in in favor of backing the show um and in a sort of like the reintegration um of belki into the community and um the fringe's uh, response earlier today was that um the, the 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 public they had heard a lot from the public and artists that this was just frankly not acceptable and and that they that that this this was show was not welcome uh as part of the program right um so they made this agreement um before it was signed according to the Edmonton journal article on august 1st um but uh yeah because of with the response um uh it was not it was seen as not enough and so the fringe said we have heard you and we are um, we are canceling the show, and we are revisiting our safer spaces policy, and and what that looks like, and and what that permits, and what it doesn't, and and how that works. So that is a thing that is happening, and a story that is developing in and around the the fringe right now, and is a thing to think about. 
And we will be thinking hard over these next. Um, well, the fringe begins on what date is it? The fringe begins on August 15th. 15th. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be thinking about it. Uh, and along with like a m- myriad other things <laughs> uh, for the next uh, dozen or so days. How about how about? Um, well, I mean, I guess we, we don't have many listings. There's really only like a one big listing to do at this time of year. But how, how about you give it a shot, Paul? Great. Um, so until August 15th, uh, Carmen by Mercury Opera is playing at the Commodore and Chez Pierre. Uh, and also, if you happen to be in Calgary and listening to this, it's playing at the Palomino in, on August 17th. Um, as previously mentioned, the Fringe, which this year has the theme of "Where the Wild Things Fringe," um, is uh, running from August fifteenth through twenty fifth through um, fifty locations throughout the city. Most of them in Old Strathcona. Mile Zero Dance is presenting rewriting dance created in residency by Lynn Snelling and Belgian dramaturge Guy Cools at Spazio Performativo, August twenty first to twenty third. So, if you want to see some stuff that isn't fringe related but is happening. That would be a time and a place to do so. I also think that Guy Cools is probably the best name for a fringe performer ever, oh even though he's not involved not in the fringe. He's not a fringe performer. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, that's uh, that was this week for you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenoff. Sit here thinking, my love